Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Anybody excited about at the movies? Amen. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you invite some people. I had uh, somebody I met. I said I met. I've known him a long time. Um, but I ran into him is what I meant to say. Um, going to the State Fair of West Virginia is very interesting for PK and myself uh, because we get to see a lot of you guys there. And um, we went one night just to walk in, and we were going to get a dessert. Like, that was it. That was the goal. We're going to go in, get some donuts, maybe a cinnamon roll, and we're out. Three hours later, we're leaving. Um, and all because we ran into somebody, and, and I, was, I was talking to this couple, and uh, one of the things that he said in the conversation was, is that if you don't invite people, this is one of our church members, all right, if you don't invite people to at the movies, it's because you don't care about people and you don't want to see people get saved. And he was telling me how he got 14 family members here for one, one of our years of At The Movies. And so many people's stories are connected to the first time they came to that series. So I want to encourage you to invite 80% of the people in the world would attend a church if a friend or family member invited them. There's no better opportunity to invite than at the movie, so take time to do that. Today we're going to close out our series on habits, and so far we've kind of been building in this series. In week number one, we talked about who before do, who before do, that when we know who we want to become or who God has called us to be, we automatically know what to do. It helps us to form habits in the direction of the person we want to become. And last week, we, start, we, we talked about uh, starting, right, getting started. What new habit do you need to create? Uh, and this week, we're going to close it out with a, a, a title that I, I want to call this message very simply. I'm going to call it Stopping. Hit your neighbor and tell them stop. All right, you're like, you're confusing this pastor. Last week you said start. This week you're saying stop. Uh, what are we supposed to do? Um, and so when we talked about starting, we were talking about creating a new habit that, that would line up with the direction that we feel like God is calling us to go into, to stack some habits in the right direction. And this week we're, we want to stop doing the habits that are keeping us from becoming everything God has called us to be. Um, all throughout the series, I've, I've communicated to you guys that we, a lot of us, we have similar goals in life, but you have a lot of different results. And the reason we have different results, even though we have similar goals, is because successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. And so we have to understand that. And some of the similar, similar goals that we have um, some things that we, we would all have in common is that I want to be in good health. How many of you want to be in good health? Right? Uh, if they're not raising their hand, go over and raise it for them. We, we need some people that want to be in health, right? It's a biblical value. Um, uh, we, we all have the similar goal to have good relationships. How many of you, help me out, want to have good relationships? 
right? Nobody, uh, nothing can bring your life down faster than relationships that go south. I mean, it will bring you down faster than anything else. If you've got any kind of uh, animosity towards anyone, if you're going through a difficult season with another person, it will drag you down. Uh, most of us in church, I would hope, how many of you want to grow closer to God? Anybody want to grow closer? I want to grow closer to God. I want to know him more intimately. We, we have that in common. A lot of us, we would say, I want, to be, I want to make a difference in the world, or I want to grow financially. I want to become more generous. A uh, lot of good things. None of us have negative goals or, or negative things that we want out of life. Nobody says, I want to struggle financially. I want to live from paycheck to paycheck. I want to have more month than I have money. I don't know anybody that says that. Uh, I, I don't know anybody who says, I want to gain as much weight as possible and be so out of shape that I can't even roll out of bed. Nobody has that as a goal. Nobody is looking to do that. Nobody wakes up and says, I want to be an addict. Nobody wakes up and says, I want to wreck my marriage. Now, these are big, big things. Let's, let's, let's lower the tone for just a minute. No one wakes up and says, I want to work a dead-end job. Nobody says, I want to live a passionless life. Or I want to get to the end of my life and say, I didn't accomplish anything. Nobody says those things. The truth is, though, is that most people do not ruin their life it's not that it's impossible. It's possible. You can ruin your life with one bad decision, but most people do not ruin their lives with one bad decision or one big decision. People ruin their lives by making one small decision after another, one bad step after another, one bad habit after another, one day at a time, and in this series, these things begin to stack up, they begin to compile, and then one day they recognize I'm in a bad place. They might even summarize. Have you ever noticed how people will summarize all these bad decisions in one sentence? They'll say things like, um, they'll say, I fell into sin and ended up in divorce. What they do is they take a series of bad decisions and bad habits and day after day making the wrong decisions and they'll summarize it in one sentence. They'll say things like, yeah, he struggled with his weight all his life and died at age 55. We summarize a lot of bad decisions in one statement. Not only do we do that, but the Bible kind of does that with a guy by the name of Samson. It summarizes a lot of bad decisions, and it starts with this one scripture in Judges chapter number 16. And if there was anyone born with incredible potential, it was Samson. He had God-given potential. And because, though, he continued to make decision after decision, he had habit after habit, one day at a time, he ended up in a really bad place. His life fell apart, but it all starts with this one sentence, Judges 16 verse 1. It says, one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. One sentence summarizes the beginning of a trajectory downward 
for the life of Samson. This man who was incredibly gifted by God. One day, Samson went down to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute. There's so much in that one scripture that if you don't know the geography of the day or where Samson came from or how he ended up in Gaza, you probably would not put the pieces together. But when you look at the geography, Gaza is 25 miles from Samson's hometown, Zora, 25 miles away. Gaza was the Philistine headquarters where Samson was public enemy number one. And in order to go into Gaza, Samson was saying, I'm willing to put my life at risk. Now, we do know that during Samson's lifetime, there was no such thing as Uber. Walk with me for just a second. He's, he's 25 miles away from his hometown. He doesn't have a car. He doesn't have Uber to take him there. And so we can, we can glean from this that he walked 25 miles into enemy territory, into the wrong direction. And the question becomes, how many people would walk 25 miles into a place that could kill you? But yet people do it all the time. I don't know how else to say it. Samson walked 25 miles into a place that could kill him all for a little action. 25 miles. If you, if you were to calculate that into steps for 25 miles to go in that direction, it would have taken him 56,000 250 steps in that direction. Samson took 56,250 steps in a, in a direction that would begin his life spiraling out of control. Again, most of us do not wreck our lives all at once. How do we do it? We do it one bad decision after another. One bad habit after another. One day after another, we, we continually take steps in the wrong direction. You don't end up divorced over one decision. You don't end up in bankruptcy over one decision. You don't end up in a bad place in your health over one decision. You don't end up with relationships falling apart over one decision. It's because we take 56,250 steps in the wrong direction, which means that we have 56,250 steps to think to ourselves, I don't have to become this. I don't have to continue continue in that direction. At any point along the 56,000 steps, Samson could have stopped and said, this is not who I want to be. He had opportunity. He had time to change course, to shift the direction. And so with that being said, based on who you want to become, what one habit do you need to break? What one habit? do you need to break? Now, some of you will be quick to say, I have 17. I don't want you to do 17. Because if you try 17, you'll do zero. But what one habit that you would consider it's unhealthy, it's unhelpful, it's ungodly, it's, it's keeping me from becoming who God has called me to be? What is the one habit 
that you need to break. Hit your neighbor and tell them one habit. Now, if you end up breaking seven or eight, that's cool. But let's start with one. Hit somebody and tell them, let's start with one. All right, we got we to start with one. I like what James says. In James chapter 1, verse 21, he says, So get rid of every filthy habit and all wicked conduct. Come on, look at somebody and say, filthy habit. You know you want to say that. What one filthy habit? What wicked <laughs> conduct? Do you need to get rid of? He said, get rid of every filthy habit and all wicked conduct. How many know there there are ways Christians ought to act? Do I have to say that out loud? I think I do in this culture. I ran into a pastor at the state fair uh, yesterday. It was yesterday. Another pastor, and he said, yeah, I got a bunch of people mad at me. I said, well, join the club. I got people mad at me. If, you don't, if you're a leader in the church, if you're a pastor, and you don't have some people mad at you, you are not doing your job. You, I said, what are they mad at you about? He said, well, they're calling me that I hate people because I told them they can't act like that and say they love Jesus. I said, I get that all the time, bro. I said, I'll be praying for you. God's got you back. Keep walking, keep preaching, keep speaking the truth. How many know there are times that you have to tell the people of God to get rid of the filthy conduct? That's not popular. I I know it's not popular. And he says, he says, submit to God and accept the word that he plants into your heart, which is able to save you. One translation says the engrafted word that has the ability to save your soul. And, and, and this is so interesting to me because people are hearing preaching all over the world today, but it's not the word, the word that you hear that has the ability to change you. But it's the word that has been planted. The word that has been engrafted has the ability to change you and to save you. And a graft, if you were to look at a graft, it's when they remove tissue from one area of your body and they move it to another area of the body, and they make the tissue from one area merge with the tissue of another area. And so when, when the writer here, James, is talking about this, he was saying that the word that you allow to merge and take over your mind is the word that has the potential to save your soul. That word, listen, the engrafted word, the implanted word of God can get into your memories and heal your memories. It can get into your experiences and heal your experiences. It can get into the abuse that you suffered and produce healing in that area. It can get into that bad habit and turn it around. And now that you've made a decision to walk in the right direction with the engrafted word of God, the word that has been planted, the habit that you once were dominated by, now you don't even have a desire for it anymore. Why? Because your thoughts have merged with God's thoughts and the engrafted word changes your mind and changes your life and has the ability to save your soul. See, in in church, we hear a lot of word. We just don't plant a lot of word. Listen, it's not the word that you hear that will change you. It's the word that you do that will change you. 
I would go as far as to say that if you're not doing that word, then you don't know that word. It's not until we act on it that we know and understand it. So what one habit do you need to rid yourself of to become everything God is calling you to be? Before we talk about how, let's talk about what. And the reason we have to talk about the what is because if you don't acknowledge the habit, if you, if you don't define it, how many of you cannot defeat what you cannot define? And so it's very important that you know I, this is not one of those messages where you leave here and say, yeah, I need to work on a few things. No, you need to leave here saying, I don't want to work on this specific thing. Because if you can't define it, you cannot defeat it. So whatever it is that, and here's the thing. The Holy Spirit will help us, but some of you already know. We're, we're, we're not even halfway through the message, and you already know what one thing needs to stop. What one thing that needs to change. For some of us, it may be a bad attitude. Not in church, no way. A complaining heart. A gossiping tongue. Did I say that in church? I know for you it's not gossip. You just tell everybody so they can pray about it. For some of you, you're frustrated and angry all the time. Others, it's unchecked emotions, an eating issue, technology addiction, video games. I had to mention that one because my boys are in the front row. Social media, endless hours of scrolling and scrolling. How is that helping you move in the direction God is calling you? How is it facilitating your growth? It might be for some pornography or an addiction to, it may even be a prescription medication that you've become addicted to. We cannot defeat what we refuse to define. Listen, if more than one person, I said this back in the temptation series, if more than one person has told you you have a problem, you have a problem. Let me take it a step further. If your spouse has told you, you have a problem. That's a good indicator. The two become one that you have a problem. So we got to wake up. We got we to we gotta define it. We got to acknowledge it. We cannot defeat what we refuse to define. So based on who you want, you want to become, what one habit do you need to break? For some of you, I feel compelled to warn you because the generation we're in, the culture that we're in, if you don't stop looking at a screen for seven and eight hours a day, you're going to come to the end of your life and your life's going to be filled with regrets because you spent all your time on what's fake and you missed out on what's real. Ninety percent of what people post on this stuff is is not even like real. It's fake. See through it. It's fake. 
It's an image they want to, you to, to think they have. It's, 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 a, it's something they want you to see, but it's not the, how many know people don't post their garbage on here usually? Well, some people do. But most of us, we, we want to put our best foot forward. We want everybody to see the best part of us. And so we, we need to spend more time on what's real, on what's right in front of us. Now, let's distinguish for just a minute between a good habit and a bad habit. Have you ever noticed that a good habit is hard to create? And a bad habit is hard to break. Okay? So they're, they're hard, but in different ways. For example, a good habit is challenging at first, right? At the very beginning, a good habit is hard. But then the payoff or the win is somewhere in the future. It's hard in the beginning, the payoff is in the future. Let's, let's, take, let's take running or jogging. I, I know I mention it all the time, but whatever it is, you could take uh, running or jogging. You, you get up in the morning, you say, I'm going to, for a run. It's hard, it's cold, it's hot, it's raining, it's... I didn't get enough sleep. Whatever it is, it's hard in the beginning. And you don't see a payoff, but if you keep at it, how many of you know, seven months later, you may have dropped 20 pounds. So it's hard in the beginning. The payoff is in the future. It may be that you want to get plugged into the house of God. You've never really served before. You've never really uh, led small groups or attended small groups or attended church regularly or gave sacrificially before. And in the beginning, it's hard because it's something new and, and you're, you're having to reorganize your life around this new discipline, this new habit. And in the short term, you don't see any success. You don't see anything in a week or two. But you do that for about a year, and then you look around and think, man, I am making a difference in the world. Man, I am seeing God bless my finances. I got good friends all around me that I'm doing life with. I got healed in this area of my life. I help bring healing to that area of their life. The payoff is not in the beginning. The payoff is in the long term. That's, that's a new habit, a good habit. It's difficult at first, and the payoff is in the future. Bad habits are the opposite. There's a perceived benefit immediately. Bad habits, it's like an immediate reward, an immediate rush, an immediate pleasure. And, and let me just say this. I said it a few weeks ago. I need to say it again. Sin can be fun. How many of you know sin can be fun? Okay, some of you. I, I, need, I need a little more help than that. If you know sin can be fun, I need you to raise your hand. All right. There's some people scared to raise their hand because they're like, I ain't raising my hand in church saying sin is fun. Well, you either didn't do it right or you're lying. Right? You either didn't do it right or you're lying. The Bible even tells us there is pleasure, there is fun in sin, but it only lasts for a season. Because in the beginning, it's fun, it's pleasurable, but over the long term, it's the opposite of what a good habit does. You don't see anything in the immediate, but in the long term, there's a big payoff, and it's a positive payoff. With a bad habit, it may be fun and pleasurable in the beginning, 
But in the long term, the payoff in the future is a negative payoff. It works the opposite of a good habit. It's fun for a, for a bit, and then it messes you up. Let me give you, I gave you an examples of the good, but what about the bad? Um, you're the customer of the year at the all-you-can-eat buffet. You love the dessert table. I shouldn't be talking about this after fair, should I? It's great for a while, but then two decades later, you find out you have diabetes. It was fun, but the long-term payoff, living a life like that, having a habit like that, is a negative payoff. Understanding that helps us know how we break a bad habit. When we talked about last week starting a good habit, starting something new, what did we say? We have to make it obvious and we have to make it easy. Okay. With a bad habit, it's not about making it obvious or easy. With a bad habit, it's about making it more difficult to do. If there's something you're trying to break in your life, something you're trying to rid yourself from, you got to make it more difficult for you to participate in that. Just like your ability to make decisions can wane on you as you make decisions. How many know if you have to make a lot of decisions, it can wear you out? If, if, you, if you have um, a certain level of emotional energy, you can use it up real quick. The same is true when it comes to willpower. You can fight something off for a while. But if you don't make it difficult for you to participate in it, eventually you'll run out of willpower and you'll go right back to the bad habit. Anybody in this church today? I need a little help. Anybody in this church today? Some of us, we're struggling with this one. Um, we have to make it difficult. If you have a habit you're, you're trying to break, you've got to make it hard for you to go and do that. Proverbs chapter 4, four, verses 14 and 15 says, Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. Again, last week we, we, we looked at the habit loop. You guys remember that, the habit loop? It shows us that every habit starts with a cue. It starts with a trigger. There, there, there's a trigger that leads to an action. The action leads to the outcome we want, and then it starts over again. There's a cycle. So how do we break a bad habit? We have to remove the trigger and interrupt the action. So what is it that triggers you to do the bad habit? you got to remove it. you got to remove the trigger and interrupt that action. Okay? Now, Generally speaking, when it comes to triggers for bad habits, there are five. Everybody say five triggers. Is this practical enough for y'all? All right, five triggers that will cause you to step into a bad habit. If you guys would throw those five triggers up there for me. Trigger number one, I think is, there they are, place, time, mood, moments, and people. All right, five triggers that can cause us to go back through the cycle of a bad habit. Let's spend just a moment on place and time. 
This is very important. There's probably a place that you do the bad habit. There's probably a time that you're more vulnerable to doing the bad habit, a place and time. You probably don't do certain bad habits in certain places. If your bad habit is you eat in excess to where you make yourself sick, you probably don't do that at the gym. If, if the bad habit is you smoke pot, you probably don't show up on Sunday morning to Bethesda Church, people watching online, and light up a joint. This is probably not the place that you participate in. Is this okay? It's not the place that you would participate in the bad habit. You probably don't. If you do do that, we need to talk about your spiritual development for just a minute. Like if that's something that you struggle with as you come to church. Um, we don't do these things in certain places, but you might do, do that if you're with the wrong people at the wrong place. Time and place matter a lot. We've got to make sure that, it, that if there is a time and a place that we're more vulnerable to do the bad habit, then we have to remove that as a trigger. Don't go there. Hit somebody and say, don't go there. Time and place. Um, David in the Old Testament, he made a horrible mistake that we can summarize with one phrase. R wrong place, wrong time. And the Bible tells us this story about David, and, and just so that we can get context, David was not a bad guy. David loved God, genuinely loved God. The Bible says that he was a man after the heart of God. So he loved God, had a relationship with God, but he ended up doing something that he later regretted because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Listen, you can genuinely love God, but if you consistently put yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time, you can end up doing things that does not resemble your love for God. Can I get an amen right there? <clears throat> If you look at David as the king, the Bible tells us that in the story that it was in the springtime when the kings would go off to war. So the kings were supposed to be out to battle. David did not go. He stayed home. He stayed in the palace. And when he wasn't where he was supposed to be, he ended up at the wrong time going on the rooftop, which happened to be his neighbor's bath time. And we, we know the story. He started checking her out. Wrong place, wrong time. Led him to do something and see something he should have never seen or done. And it cost him way more than he wanted to pay. Wrong place, wrong time. The other part of this is that it's not just wrong place and wrong time. When you look at the triggers, for some of you, it's not a place or a time. It's a mood. Your trigger is your mood. And sometimes you need somebody to say, snap out of your mood. You're in a funk. You need to get out of that funk. Our mood, whether the mood is tired, lonely, hungry, angry, 
How many of those moods can be a trigger for bad habits? That because we're tired, because we're hungry, because we're lonely, because we're angry, we got to recognize the mood and remove the trigger. On top of mood, we can, we can talk about moments. For some of us, it's not a time, it's not a place, it's not a mood, it's a moment. The moment could be a fight with your spouse, butting heads with your, your kids, trouble with a coworker. These moments cause you to want to go back and participate and start the cycle of the bad habit all over again. This last one's going to offend some of you, but I'm going to say it anyway. For some of us, it's not time and place, moment or mood. It's people. People can be triggers. The wrong people can be triggers that lead us in the wrong direction, just like the right people can be triggers to move us in the right direction. Studies are conclusive that the closer you are to someone, the more likely you are to pick up some of the same habits they have. You pick them up. Uh, one study, so interesting, they tracked 12,000 people over a 32-year period. 12,000 people, three decades, 12,000 people, and they found out all kinds of stuff. And here's some of the things they, they found out. If you have one friend who is significantly overweight, there's a 57% more likely chance that you will end up overweight. 57% more likely. The good news is, is that if you have one friend that loses a significant amount of weight, one of three closest friends to that person will also lose a significant amount of weight. So the people we hang with actually help us develop either good habits or bad habits. And it doesn't take a study to show us that because the Bible knew that all along. In Proverbs 13, verse 20, it says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. We become like the people we hang with. The people that I am closest to, how many consider the people you're closest to gifts to you? Anybody consider people like, people are gifts. And you got to recognize that. The people that are close to me, if I were to name to you outside of my family, if we went outside of my family and just looked at my friendships, the five people that are closest to me, what you would find out uh, about those five people in my life is that they all love Jesus. They all love their wives. They're all successful in what they're doing. They're all very disciplined. All of them work out and take care of their health. They're, they're incredibly generous, all of them, and they all have good families and godly children. Think about how much easier it is for me, being their friend, for me to live a life that honors God when I've surrounded myself with people that honor God. The same is true is that if you looked at my friends and they were all unemployed, refused to hold down a job, or treated a job like clock in and clock out, that's it. If that's the kind of people I hung out with and they didn't love Jesus and they didn't take care of their bodies and they didn't care, they just sat in their mama's basement playing video games all day long, how many of you know that would have impact on my life? 
Some of us, we're offended by this one. The flip side is, if I get the right friends, it helps me to live the right kind of life. The wrong friends will will cause me to live the life that I don't want. The Apostle Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. He said, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. You become like the people you are around. Young people, listen to me. Parents, please hear your pastor today. Stop letting your students, your kids, hang out with whoever they want to hang out with. As long as you pay the bills and they eat your food and live under your roof, you should determine who they spend time with. And if you see that someone is having a negative impact on your child, you may have to put a stop to that relationship. We look for the triggers that lead us to bad habits. I said last week, for some of you, you needed to stop hitting the snooze button. So, so if, we were, if we're to remove the trigger, interrupt the action, what would it look like if we're talking about an alarm clock in the morning? It would look like for you to remove the trigger, which is I hit the snooze seven times and waste an hour and a half of my day, I'm not going to hit it. I'm actually going to pick up my mobile device and throw it across the room. You say, why would I do that? So it'll make your behind get up out of that bed and walk over there and turn that alarm off, get your day started, realizing that I can attack this day with joy, with power, with victory. I'm here to make a difference today. I'm not going to crawl back in the bed up under the covers and act like nobody loves me and I'm depressed and my life will never change. I'm telling you, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God's got purpose for me today. I've got joy in what I'm doing. I'm going to do what God has called me to do today. That's how you would remove the trigger and interrupt the action. If you've got a problem with Amazon, click, 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 just spent 500 more dollars. I could have been generous, gave it to the kingdom. I could have put it in savings, but instead I just randomly click, 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 500 more dollars gone. Well, how do I remove the trigger, interrupt the action? Maybe you should take your Amazon purchases through a friend. Now, now this is where I get the pushback. Pastor, you want me to take my purchases through a friend? Yeah, it's called accountability. You say, well, you're crazy. I'm never going to do that. That's fine, but I hope you like being broke all the days of your life and that you love retiring with nothing, that you leave your children, children nothing, and I hope the bathrobe was worth it or the Snuggie. Pornography, if that's your struggle, you want to you know how you'll defeat it? Yeah, confess to God, but get an accountability partner that if you view it, they know it. 
If you're serious about breaking a habit that is keeping you from becoming who God has called you to be, sometimes, and this is how God will humble you, church, sometimes God will humble you because we got a lot of people that will sit up in church and say, all I need is Jesus. All I need is Jesus. All I need is Jesus. He's all I need. We sing the songs. But the truth is, God will sometimes humble you, and it's not that Jesus isn't enough, but Jesus Jesus wants us to depend on one another for accountability because as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another man. And there's some things, there's some things that just you and Jesus, it ain't going to get better. We confess to God for forgiveness, but we confess to people for healing. You want to get whole? You want your life to change? Then you got to. That's why you need to be in a small group that's kicking off next month. Come on, somebody! I need a little help right there. You need to get yourself around some people that can pour into your life. This conversation that I had at the fair that I opened up with with this gentleman who invited. I'm just going to tell you who it was. John Ratliff. I've given him two shout outs in the last month. He uh, he, he he talked about small groups in that same conversation. He said, Pastor. He said, church is awesome. He said, church will change your heart. And I'm quoting him. He said, church will change your heart. He said, but small groups will change your life. And I'm not, I'm not going to share his testimony. We're going to do that another time. But he, he has a very specific testimony that would have never happened in his life just by coming to church and lifting his hands and hearing a sermon. But it only came through a small group where he was held accountable. He said, church changed my heart, but small groups changed my life. And so I'm telling you, the people you're around, the, the, the people you're doing life with, because at the end of the day, the habits you have today will shape who you become tomorrow. Do you like the direction that your habits are taking you? Samson took 56,250 steps in the wrong direction. That means that he had 56,250 opportunities to turn around. To say, you know what, this isn't who I want to become. This isn't the life that I want. God created me for something more. I want to end with a scripture, the same one that I ended with last week in Zechariah 4 and 10. Because I want this, this scripture to get into your heart. Do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Never underestimate how God can start something big, something powerful, something life-changing through something small. That our God actually rejoices in you being faithful in something small. Those first decisions to pray or to read your Bible or to begin eating right, the first day God is rejoicing over that. The first day to pray with your kids or being generous or the first time you lead a small group, God is rejoicing over that. And I I, I want you to know who God has called you to be. I want you to have some good habits, 
that move you in that direction. But I also, listen to me, I want you to conquer the enemies in your life that's trying to keep you from becoming everything God has called you to be. When the children of Israel went into the promised land, they were coming into everything God had called them to. And God gave them a word. He said, when you get into the land, he said, I want you to conquer your enemies and I want you to destroy them all. I want you to conquer them and destroy them. You see, as long as habit and routine dictate the pattern of living, new dimensions of the soul will not emerge. Habits are like machines. They consistently turn out the same product. They can't do anything else. They are designed to produce a specific result. Change, though, requires new behaviors, new thoughts, new relationships, and a willingness to do battle with old ways of thinking. And that calls, my friend, for a strong relationship with Jesus. Because upon entering the promised land, God told his people, I want you to utterly destroy all of your enemies. Because if you don't destroy your enemies, your enemies will live eventually to destroy you. So when God tells you through your pastor that it's time to declare war against the bad habits in your life, it's not the time to say everybody else is doing it. It's no big deal. The thing we have to understand is, is that anything that keeps us enslaved, that prevents us from enjoying the freedom that Jesus purchased for us at Calvary, anything that stops that, anything that hinders that is a very big deal. And in Instead of making excuses, instead of saying, oh, it's not that big a deal, we need to say, God, show me the root of why I'm doing consistently the thing I don't want to do so that I can stop this bleeding in my life and I can start living and becoming who you've called me to be. Come on, if you receive it today, give him a praise. Give him a praise as you stand to your feet. How many of you would say today, Pastor, I know the one area I need to start breaking. Anybody would say, I, I know the one, the one place. Father, I, I just speak your word over your people as the Holy Spirit is revealing to them the areas of their life, God, that need to change. God, we know it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit. God, that, that is where the change comes from, that as we yield ourselves to what you are doing, as we make those small decisions, those, have, have those small disciplines of moving in the right direction, God, you're able to bring us to a fruitful place. You're able to bring us to a place of destiny, a place uh, of opportunity, a place to where we can become everything you've called us to be. So God, I pray that you would help us to stop the bad habits. Some of you, there are things right now the Holy Spirit's showing you that area. You've tried to say it's not a big deal. Not a big deal. It's okay. It's okay. You, you, you've spent a lot of time making excuses for, for it. 
But God is saying today, it's time to take that step. It's time to decide. You, you cannot defeat what you have not defined. You've got to define it. You've got to acknowledge it and bring it into the presence of God. There is freedom. The Bible says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. He wants to produce freedom in your life, freedom in my life, so that we can live the life Jesus has called us to. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around for the next couple of moments. If you're in this place today and you're not in right relationship with God, and you, you know you're not in right relationship with God, and you need his grace, you need his mercy, you need Jesus to save you, I'm not going to make it complicated. If that's you this morning, you say, I don't want to leave in that condition. I want to leave knowing I'm right with God. If that is you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? Say, Pastor, you're talking to me. Thank you for this hand. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Say, that, that's me. That's me before we pray. Anyone else? Those watching online, you can be a part of this as well. I want us to pray out loud together everybody say these words with me say dear heavenly father I come to you uh, y'all got to say this a little bit louder all right let's try that again dear heavenly father I come to you in the name of Jesus I'm a sinner I've committed sins I need a savior I can't save myself so I ask you Jesus to come into my heart, forgive me for all my sins. I repent. I, I turn around. I go in a different direction. You are the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give them a big, big God bless you. Big, big God bless you. We'll ask our prayer team and staff to get in place. And as they're getting in place and we get ready to open up these altars, if you made that decision to follow Christ, not to embarrass you, but I would love to meet you uh, in the back left of the room, my left, your right. We have a brand new Bible we want to put in your hand. We got uh, a new compass book that will help you on your journey with Christ. We have a compass class we want to invite you to. Uh, we're, we're taking some time in this season to disciple people one person at a time, very intentional, helping people on their journey with Christ. And so as we begin singing this, if you would, if that was you, I would love to meet you back there and put all of those resources in your hands and invite you to our Compass class coming up in the month of September. Our altars are open. If you need prayer for anything at all, please come and receive it. As the worship team comes, can we give Jesus one more praise this morning? God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.